since we're kicking off missions uh, next week, uh, I, I just want to bring a word to you today and to the church that will help us as a church to get ready for this great conference that we together are, are by the grace of God, going to, to serve in and to put on next week. So Romans chapter 10, verse 9 is where we're going to be today. And uh, let's pray before we open God's word. Father, we're so thankful that you are a God who speaks. Lord, you're not silent. You, you, you have spoken. And, and Lord, the worlds were created in obedience to your word. Lord, you spoke and the universe came into being. Lord, there is a purpose and a plan behind everything. This is, we're not a part of some cosmic oops, some cosmic accident. Lord, we are part of your plan and your purpose. So thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks. You've spoken creation into existence. Lord, you've spoken us into existence. Lord, you have spoken your word. And so today, as we come to, to the scriptures today, we believe that they are a word from you, that, that this isn't just the words of men, but it is the word of God, and that men wrote down your words as your spirit prompted them. So, Lord, we know that you are still speaking today. So speak to our hearts through your word today. Lord, we've gathered today to spend time in your presence. We've gathered today to worship you and to exalt you. We've gathered to hear from you today. So give us ears to hear what you're saying to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, Paul writes, he says, because if, everybody say if, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek or Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here the Apostle Paul rolls out for us this, this great plan of salvation. This salvation plan, this salvation message that, that there is a, 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 a salvation for mankind, a, a salvation for humanity, that, that humanity is in need of a Savior. Humanity is, as we flip on the television or look at the news, we, we don't see a world that has it all together, do we? No, every single day, it's it's, it's bad news about how the world does not have it together. And it's not just the, the common folk like me and you that don't have it together. Our leaders don't have it together either. They're, they're just as bad as we are, if not worse. Nation against nation and peoples against people. The, the, humanity's got some problems. And the core of, of humanity's problem, the Bible tells us so clearly, is that humanity has gone its own way. That God created the world good and, and, and very good, he even says, that, 
that, that he created the world to be enjoyed and for people to dwell together in God's presence and to share love and harmony and peace and unity. And when we turn on the tube, what do we see? Love and harmony and peace and unity? No. The only time you see that is on a Coca-Cola ad. But unfortunately, even that doesn't solve all of our problems. Even though Coke would have you believe that if you drank Coke, we would have love and peace and harmony and unity in the world. And even though Coke has done a better job of getting their word out than even the church has done getting our name out, Jesus Christ, Coke is everywhere, still don't have peace, harmony, love, and unity in the world, do we? Where am I going with this? There's a problem. Humanity's gone its own way. Humanity has what the Bible calls sinned against God. Humanity has walked away from God and chosen their own path, and it's brought death and heartache and heartache and, and sin into the world. And, and when it seemed like there was no way for man and God to be reconciled to one another, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ to come on a rescue mission to, to save humanity. We know that Jesus, he lived a life without sin, the only one who's ever done it, the only one who will ever do it. And Jesus, the perfect man, he, he went and he laid down his life. He took upon himself our punishment. He took upon himself God's justice against sin. Because how many of you know that, that there needs to be justice in the world? I mean, who, who wants to live in a world without justice? I don't. We want justice, amen? Unless we're the perpetrator, <laughs> then we want mercy. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen people speeding down Callahan Road and I'm trying to pull out of, you know, the church, and I almost get run over by one of you. God bless you. And I say, man, I wish there was a police officer here to bring some justice to the world. Until it's me that's speeding down Callahan Road, and I get pulled over and have to pull into the church parking lot. And then all of a sudden, I don't want justice. What do I want? Mercy. We need both, don't we? Justice and mercy. And so on the cross, Jesus lays down his life and God pours out his justice upon Jesus and that way so that everyone who has faith in, in Jesus could experience the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And so Jesus, it is so clear, Jesus is God's plan for salvation. Jesus is, is God's way. Jesus is the only way for there to be hope and healing and, and salvation. And so Paul writes and he says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, that means to say that he is who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He is the Savior come from heaven into the earth. He did die on the cross for sinners. He did raise again from the dead in new life. If you will confess that with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. It's so simple, isn't it? It's not complicated. It's not even a one, two, three process. Listen, if there was anything we had to do to earn our salvation, we couldn't do it. We would fall and fail every time. But we don't have to earn our salvation. We just believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. That's it. So do you believe in your heart today that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe in your heart today that God raised him from the dead? Have you confessed that with your mouth today? Listen, then you're saved. Your ticket has been punched to eternal life with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Eternity with God in his presence forever. Jesus Christ has saved us because of his great love and his great mercy. He says, with the heart one believes. That's at the core of your being, that you believe in Jesus Christ, Christ and is justified. That word justified means declared righteous. Declared righteous. God has declared over you today, if you have believed in your heart in Jesus Christ, God has declared that you are righteous. And listen, when God declares something, that's it. That's the final word. There's not another, there's nothing else that can change that fact. There's no other word that's above God's word. If you are justified today, you are declared righteous. That Jesus took our unrighteousness, but that he has clothed us with his righteousness today. A new creation, justified. That means that we can have relationship now with God. Where once this chasm of sin separated us from God, now we're welcome into God's presence by his grace and his mercy in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 11 that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, that there's no distinction, and that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, there's no distinction. We all need a savior. We all need a savior. Red, yellow, black, white. I've never met a yellow person. Or a red person, but, well, actually, see me in July, I get pretty red. Um, <laughs> there's no distinction. All, all have fallen short. All have sinned. Everyone needs a Savior. Everyone needs the cross of Jesus. Everyone. There's no distinction. But, but he also goes on to say that there's no distinction in the fact that all are welcome. It doesn't matter what kind of family you came from, whether you came from a rich family or a poor family. It doesn't matter if, if your parents were well-known and it was, you know, no, notoriety or, or total obscurity. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if what kind of culture you're from or what kind of background you grew up from, whether you grew up in riches or poverty. It doesn't matter. There's no distinction that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That includes you. You say, well, you don't know the things that I've done, the things that I've been through. Listen, I don't. You're right. I don't. But you know who does? God does. And he says that if you call on him and believe in your heart, that you will be saved. Period. That's the end of the story. 
Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that simple? Isn't that beautiful? How many of you are glad that, that you heard that message? Do, do, you, do you remember the first time that you heard that message? I, I don't remember. I don't mean the first time it went into your ears. I mean the first time it went into your heart. You know what I'm talking about? That, that time where someone shared this simple message with you and all of a sudden the light bulb went off. All of a sudden, it's, it's like you saw it all perfectly, crystal clear. And, and, and before, maybe you had heard it once or twice or maybe a thousand times. But there was that one time where all of a sudden you, you knew and you understood and it made sense. And, and you saw who you were and you saw who Jesus was. And, and all you could do was fall on your face and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Do you remember that? Do you remember where you were? I, I know many of you do. Many of you have shared with me your, your story and your testimony and, you know, the exact place, the exact moment, the exact date. I thank the Lord for, for those testimonies. Maybe you're like me. I, I grew up in church. So before I even understood English, I heard the gospel a thousand times. So for me, it wasn't like a light bulb going off. It was more like a dimmer switch being turned up. When, when, when was it that it actually, I, I, you know, it was kind of like, well, here I prayed, and I prayed again here, and I prayed again here, and every VBS, you know, like, it was kind of like just this dimmer switch that got brighter and brighter and, and brighter. Maybe you remember the exact moment, the exact day. Maybe you're like me, and it's just been a, a, a progression, but, man, what, this is what the, the Bible calls the good news. The gospel message. And, and for those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ, listen, there's, not some, there's nothing more precious to us in the world. There's nothing more precious to us in the world than, than our faith, than our, our relationship with God, our, our love for our Savior, Jesus. Our love for our Savior. And so when we come in here today and and the band cranks up and the songs crank up and, and something wells up in our heart. We just want to sing about our Savior. We just want to worship our Savior. We just want to spend time in His presence. That's why you're here today. You're not here today because of the coffee. There's coffee other places, right? I mean, you're here today to spend time with God and to hear His Word and to, to experience His presence. Amen. But in verse 14, Paul continues. He says, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have never heard. And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If we could, let's go on to uh, the next slide this morning. Paul here begins to lay out a... Uh, let's go one more. I'm sorry. No? Okay. Never mind. Go back. Maybe I forgot to put those verses on the screen today. Oh, no, they're on there. I forgot to change the top number. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. So, Paul here begins to lay out this, this problem, this need points out that, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ and, and we're saved as we believe this message in our, in our heart and we have received this message and we have believed this message. But he points out this, this need, he says, for people to believe in Jesus, they first need to hear about Jesus. For people to believe in Jesus, they have to hear about him. How can you believe in something you've never heard about? The people need to, to hear. And he goes on, you know, follows the natural conclusion. Well, for people to be able to hear, someone must preach to them. Someone needs to preach. Someone needs to share the gospel. Someone, someone has to share this, this good news. Someone has to share this message. There's this saying that goes around. I don't care for it very much. It says, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Let me tell you, it's necessary to use words. There's no way that someone can learn about the creator God, come from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, rose on the third day for sinners to give us new life, ascended to the right hand of the Father, coming again one day to judge the world. There's no way anybody can know that message by making them a sandwich, by giving them a blanket. Now, should we give people blankets and make these sandwiches? Yes, absolutely. But that's not sharing the gospel to, to share the gospel, you must use words. Jesus is the word become flesh. We have to be able to speak and to preach. And, and so Paul says, for people to believe, they have to hear. And, and for people to hear, someone must preach. And he says, if someone's going to preach, they must be sent. They must be sent. Here Paul talks about uh, earlier that there's this riches that we have in Christ. The riches we have in Christ for all who call on the name of the Lord. The salvation riches, the, the sanctification riches, the relationship with God riches, the, the, the daily provision that God provides to his people, those Riches in a million practical ways that God takes care of his people that we never see or notice. Those kinds of riches 
for people to experience the riches of God. They have to hear. They have to believe. Someone has to preach. Someone has to minister. Someone has to tell them. And how can they go and tell them unless they are sent? This last um, September, Heather and I went to Japan. And while we were in Japan, we were visiting some of our missionaries. And we went to this, we can go to the next slide. I want to show you this video. There's no sound, so I'll just talk over it. This is me in Japan, and we are at a very, very, very large Buddhist temple. It's the second largest Buddha in the world. And while we were there, we, we had the opportunity to talk to some young people. Actually, some young people approached us. Uh, I kind of stand out in Japan. Um, it's kind of obvious. I, I don't belong there. And um, Number one, I'm twice as tall as everybody there. I used to have a t-shirt that said, I'm huge in Japan. Um, it was, yeah. But then I just, I gained weight and I couldn't wear the t-shirt anymore, so now I'm just huge. But anyway, um, we were approached by this group of students, because there's thousands of young people there at this temple, because they're taken there and they're indoctrinated into Buddhism, which is part of their culture. And so... We were there, and they, we were approached by these students, and they were doing a school project, and they had to go around and ask people this question. They had to say, what is the answer to world peace? How do we have peace in the world? And that's what they came, and they asked me. I had to write down my answer on a piece of paper, and so that's what I was doing. And I said, well, the, the only way to have peace on earth is through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only way. The only way. Amen. And these three young men, they looked up at me and they said, Jesus? I said, yeah, you know, Jesus. They, they didn't know Jesus. In fact, they had never heard the name Jesus. They had never heard, never heard. So I, for the brief moment that I had with the little bit of English, they knew I tried to tell them about Jesus, the Son of God, who came and died for us. And I felt woefully ill-equipped to, to do that and tried to, to give them a Bible and say, read about Jesus and it's just a stark reality that we live in a world where millions, if not billions, have never heard about Jesus. It's not like it is today here in our culture where you can drive down the street and before you even get to Callahan Road, you pass three other churches. It's not like it is here where where everyone sort of knows a little bit about, about Jesus. Never even heard the name. Never even heard the name. And, and let me tell you, as a Christian who, who knows the truth and, and knows Jesus and, 
And again, the thing I hold most dear and precious in my life is my faith and my relationship with God through Jesus. To, to know that there are, are millions living and dying, never once even hearing the name much less the gospel, much less having the plan of salvation told to them. That should bother us. That, that, that should grip our hearts. That, that, should, that should move us. You know, Jesus, it, it says in the gospels that when he saw the multitudes, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd that that they, they were just going through life following whatever the culture says, whatever people say, whatever tradition says. And they were just kind of being led as lambs to the slaughter, as, as sheep without a shepherd. And, and when Jesus saw the multitudes, it says he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. And if you and I, dear brothers and sisters, have the Spirit of Christ in us, we too should be moved with compassion, moved to action, moved to want to do something about it. And so this, again, ties into what we're going to do next week as a church, our annual missions conference. Because we believe here, the leadership believes here strongly that it is the responsibility of every Christian to be involved in world missions. That it is the responsibility of every Christian to be involved in people hearing about Jesus. Now certainly we all have a part to play locally where we are shining our lights in our family. I believe God wants to use you right there. I believe God wants to use you here in San Antonio. I believe God wants to use you at your workplace. But there's people who've never heard, and we have to do something about it. We have a responsibility to take the gospel, to send missionaries, otherwise They'll never hear and never believe and die in their sins without a Savior. And so we have a part to play. We have a, a responsibility to get involved in world missions. And next week is a great opportunity to take some steps in that direction. Wherever you're at, maybe you've been like the handful of people here today, this is your 30th plus missions conference. You're most definitely already involved in helping in missions. Maybe you're here today. You've never done anything for missions. There's a next step for each of you. There's a next step. And so I want to share with you three ways quickly and practically here today that we can all get involved in world missions. Are you ready? Number one, we can give. We can give. We can give our what am I talking about here? Money. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about money. We can give to support the missionaries that are going 
and preaching and sharing the gospel. Philippians 4, uh, 15 through 17, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, And you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul says that when he went out on his missionary journey to Macedonia, no one supported him except this church, the Philippian church. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever known, period, wrote the New Testament, divine revelations from God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, without a doubt, unquestionably, one of the most prolific church planters the world has ever seen. And when he gets up to go out on a missionary trip, no one supports him except this one church, the Philippian church. He runs out of money in Thessalonica. They hear about it, and guess what they do? They take up an offering, and they send him more money. Think about how different the world would be without the Philippian church partnering with the Apostle Paul. If they hadn't stood with him, if they hadn't supported him, Do you think about that? Think about the letters that were written, the the New Testament that we have today that was funded by these people sitting in in that church in those pews. And and look at what Paul writes. He he says, "I, I didn't seek the gift from you, but I seek the fruit, the fruit of the gospel, people being saved, church being planted, the fruit that increases to your credit. Do you see that? Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying, look, I'm the one who went. I'm the one who's going. I'm the one who's preaching. But because you are supporting me in ministry, this fruit is applied to your account, Philippian church. This fruit, this this rewards that you will experience in heaven, that goes on your account, Philippian church. There is a reward. I want you to know, there is a reward, an eternal reward that comes between partnering with those who are in ministry. This is a strategic partnership between the Apostle Paul, the missionary, and the Philippians, that church. And they're the ones that are going to reap the fruit from that. They're the ones who are going to get to heaven one day And they're going to meet this person and that person and this person and that person and this person and that person. And they're going to come and they're going to say, thank you for investing into missions. I'm here today because Paul came and preached to me. And you paid his way to get there. Thank you. Listen, there is is a reality of the, the fact that we're all going somewhere. If we're forgiven of our sins, we're going to be in heaven, the kingdom of God, for all eternity with God. If we're not, we will go to hell because of our sin. 
And we can partner with those whom God has called to take the gospel to people who have not heard. We can partner with them by supporting them financially. So that's the first thing. We can give. You know, Jesus, our Lord, he even told us, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, how do we do that? This is one way. We invest into missions. Now, many of you have given towards putting our conference on already, and I thank you for that. But I also want to encourage you to give towards the missionaries and supporting the missionaries. So that's the first way that we can be involved, is that we can give, investing in eternity. The second is that we can serve. We can serve. We can, we can come and be a part of the team that puts on the conference here every single year. I want to tell you something. I really believe it. You know, Jesus said that he didn't come to earth to be served, but he came to serve. And then he, he, he washed his disciples' feet and he said, as I've done to you, now you go and do likewise. And I really believe that we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving others. That when we, are, when we are serving others and we are meeting others' practical needs, we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving others. And did you know, listen to this, did you know that there is a special blessing for those who serve people who are in ministry? Did you know that? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. Speaking to his disciples as he sent them out into ministry, he said, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You could just as easily substitute the word missionary in there. Whoever receives a missionary because they are a missionary will receive a missionary's reward. Verse 42, whoever gives one of these even a cup of cold water, because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. There is a special blessing for serving those who are in ministry. So come and serve next week. We have a table out in the foyer. You can sign up to serve today. You can drive a golf cart. You can open a door. You can work in kids' ministry. You can help us usher. You can serve in the kitchen. You can give people rides from here to the hotel. You say, does that really count? Does that really make a difference? Does that really do anything? Jesus says if you give them a cup of cold water, it counts for something. Amen. So we can serve. We can, we can set the table for God's ministers to come in and to receive from him next week. I would encourage you, if, if you've never served at one of our missions conferences, you're really missing out. You don't know what you're missing out on.
It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's the most fun you'll have all next week, I promise you. Can I get an amen from my servants in the house? Amen. Finally, number three, in closing today, you can pray. You can pray. Did you know when you pray, it makes a difference? Did you know when you pray, it makes a difference? Begin to pray. Paul repeatedly asked for people to pray for him. Philippians 1.19, he says, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. Romans 15 and verse 30, he says, Now I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. You can partner. You can become a strategic partner in the gospel in what God is doing in the nations. You can become a partner in people hearing about Jesus who have never heard his name. You can become a partner in people who are living in darkness, one day spending eternity with Jesus by giving, by serving, and by praying. Here are some practical things that you can begin to pray for this week for our conference. You can pray for God's protection as people travel to and from the conference. Pray for God's protection over vehicles. Pray that they would not get into accidents. Pray that they would not have blowouts on the freeways in Mexico. Pray, which is insane. If you've never been to Mexico, they have speed bumps on the highway, okay? It's insanity. Pray for God's traveling mercies for everyone who's coming. Pray for God's spirit to move during the conference. That as people are here in the time of worship, that, that God's Spirit would work in their hearts and in their lives, that there would be a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit in our times together. Pray for new missionaries to be called and sent out. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest field. Pray for new missionaries to be called and sent out. Pray for God, new gospel partnerships to be formed. That, that, that in the conference, that, that new partnerships, new people would link arms and, and shoulders and, and, and be put together to accomplish God's kingdom purpose. Pray for God to lift the burdens of the missionaries and to refresh their souls. I want you to know ministry is not easy. Ministry is is tough. <laughs> Being a missionary is tough work. Because when you're a missionary, you're on the front lines. You're on the front lines of pushing back the kingdom and the forces of darkness. I can't tell you, I, I've, I've lost track how many times I've had pastors call me. And th these are the words that they've said. You know, they, they say, I think being a pastor is the hardest job in the world. I've, I've heard, I can't tell you how many different ones have called me and told me that. And then I call somebody else and I say, you know what, I think being a pastor is the hardest job in the world. The, 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 being in ministry, it, it, 
It is, it is hard. It is difficult. The, the, the Bible says the kingdom of, of, uh, the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That, that, that there is this warring and fighting constantly in the spirit that, that it takes its toll on God's ministers. And guess what we get to do next week? We, we get to put music on, worship, invite God's spirit to come, set the table for, for people to come in and to have their burdens lifted. How many of you, when, in our time of worship today, you, you had your burden lifted today? Amen. Our, our missionaries are coming here to experience that. Because 51 weeks out of the year, they're the ones lifting other people's burdens. 51 weeks out of the year, they're the ones ministering and, and helping lift others' burdens. And so now this week out of the year, we get to be the ones through our giving, through our serving, through our praying to help lift their burden, to help carry their load just a little bit, to help serve them and, and see that their souls would be refreshed. How many of you have come into church before and you were just downtrodden and your soul was all full of just the world and life and God, you came into God's presence and the worship and the word, it just washed and cleansed your soul? That's, that's what we're praying to happen to our, our missionaries and the pastors and the ministers that are coming here. That's why they're coming. And then finally, pray for exponential harvest in 2020. Pray for exponential harvest in 2020. Pray that, that, that God would, would ramp up his work through our missionaries and that there would be a great harvest for the kingdom of God. That, that more people would hear the gospel, that more people would be saved, that more people would be set free, that, that more people would be delivered, that more people would be healed, that more people would be baptized, that more marriages would be restored, that more children would, would come to put their faith in Jesus. Pray for exponential harvest in 2020. Amen. And so as we, as we close here today... Um, I'm, I'm going to ask for you to make a response, and if, if you will say, I will, I will get involved in one of these three areas, I will give, I will pray, I will serve, if you will get involved in one of these three areas, will you stand with me uh, today in just a way of closing and saying, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to be a part of people hearing the gospel, people that have never heard, people that would never hear any other way unless we as a church rally and do God's work of sending. Wow, wow. Amen. What an army. Yeah. What an army we got here. Let me tell you something. You know who would love for you to stay home next week? His name doesn't start with J and end with S. It's the devil. You know who would be so happy if this group of people just checked out next week? The devil. I don't want to make the devil happy. I want to kick him in his teeth, give him a black eye, 
slit his throat. That's what I want to do to the devil because I'm sick and tired of seeing him mess with people, destroy their lives. And we can be a part of the gospel coming to the nations if we show up next week. Amen. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we have the opportunity, Lord, to partner with so many quality missionaries. Lord, people who have been called by you, who have been anointed by your spirit, who are fruitful in what they do, and that you have sent out to the nations. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to partner through giving, through partner through serving, to partner through praying. Lord, we don't even deserve to be saved, but you've saved us. Lord, we don't even deserve to to be a part of what you're doing, but you give us this opportunity. Lord, help us. Give us a vision, Lord, to see others come to know you, to see others experience the faith that we have, to hear the message that we hold most dear and most precious. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for Destiny Church. Thank you for the way that we are rallying to to do this, to accomplish something great for you. Lord, uh, alone we can only accomplish so much, but together with you and your spirit, we can accomplish much in 2020. Thank you for each one and help them to serve and to pray and to give, Lord, in, in a new way and help us to see exponential harvest in 2020. In Jesus' name, amen.